Welcome to the Story Monster Podcast. For hundreds of years, tales have been told of a being made of cosmic energy and pure imagination. Today, I have the honor of speaking to the person behind the legend. She is the author of such books as In the House of Transcendence and To Astera with Love. I present to you the amazing Amanda Ross. Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) I have never felt so welcome. So like, just here's your arrival. Thank you. (laughs) You are quite welcome. Welcome to the Story Monster Podcast. So let's get right into it. You know, I've been meaning to ask you this question for a long time. It's a serious question. Are you ready? I'm here. I'm ready. What vegan shampoo should I use for my locks? Oh, (laughs) man. Okay. You had me like girding my loins over here. And now it's like, okay, we're talking vegan shampoos. I'm just joking. It's just an icebreaker. (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's also truly a curveball because I'm not vegan. And I was just going to be like, do I know any? Well, that's the point. You know, I I try to form questions that are original and it's like, what the hell is he talking about? This is not (laughs) not what I came on here for. He called me on guard. But seriously, though, how are you doing? I am doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. I'm currently experiencing a huge heat wave in the Bay Area where I live at. So uh, don't people don't know what to do with themselves because it's like 95. It's never been this hot. (laughs) near the ocean it's like 112 in vegas right now mm-hmm. it's it's in the hundreds in a lot of the bay area and it's a record heat wave so people don't know what to do with themselves do you have like ac units like Mm-mm. not in not near the ocean so i live by the ocean and there's they're just oh we have a home we don't need to the ocean breeze and <laughs> see That's what they get. Not putting ACs. Everybody walking around musty and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. The musty bay on the Story Monster podcast. <laughs> See, that's a new name. It's no longer Bay Area. Where you live at? The musty bay. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to start calling that from now on. A casual <laughs> conversation. Like, do you reside in the musty bay? <laughs> they could be like, what? <laughs> What did you hear that? Amanda Ross told me. <laughs> at her, at her, not me. Right, right. <laughs> so Amanda Ross, how long have you been an indie author? I have been an indie author for just over two years. My book anniversary, author anniversary, was June of this year. So yeah, two years. Yeah. And what, what, what started you on this journey? You know, were you fed up 
with your day job and just decided I'm going to be a rebel? Well, unfortunately, I'm, I still have a day job, but um, I think for me, it was I've always known I wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to tell stories. I was obsessed with creating stories for my Barbie dolls. When my friends would be obsessed with the outfits, I was like, okay, but but are they still friends? But where's the longing? Where's the yearning? Are they in a relationship? What's the motivation here? Okay, that was me. And so um, I just wanted to tell fantasy stories. And then, you know, being Black, I wanted to to tell stories of people that look like us, that represented us and our stories and things like that. Because again, when you start to kind of read and get interested in fantasy specifically, you're thinking, okay, there's so much that can be. So why are we not being in these stories? That felt like a very high thought. Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. I feel you on that. And like I said, I'm an aspiring author myself. I I love short stories. I, that's that's kind of my thing. I've been doing this thing on Instagram, Instagram called Three Sentence Horror Stories. And um, I just like, I don't know, just something about just hearing those old urban legends mm-hmm. when I was growing up. My family was trash. Let me start there. <laughs> They used to scare me and just like just make up like if you go in the basement and I, I didn't know who what Hubba Bubba was at the time. Oh, right. OK. But they were like, Hubba Bubba's going to get you. And I'm like, that sounds horrifying. I was scared. <laughs> I was like, what kind of name is Hubba Bubba? And they're like, yeah, he's going to bite your fingers off. And I'm like, why is he there? Like, why is why is Hubba Bubba in our basement? And so ever since then, I just like after a while, I got desensitized. And, you know, I watched horror movies with my grandmother growing up and I was just like, yo, like this actually isn't scary. You know, like growing up in the hood of Chicago and Inglewood is scary. So it kind of just like desensitized me to the genre and I was able to enjoy it for how ridiculous it is. So Mm -hmm. I started writing it. I love that. I so firstly, can't wait to read your work. Just going to say that. Second of all, I, I relate because my family was very much the tell you something is going to happen to you just to get you to be in line. I'm the youngest of six. My siblings are, you know, nine plus years older than me. So here they are in high school having to watch their bratty kid sister. So what do they say? Hey, if you don't, if you don't be quiet, Chucky's going to come get you. Bruh. Oh. Mr. Charles is going to come, come get you, <laughs> Mr. The Boogeyman, Mr. Boogity, he's under your bed if you don't <laughs> listen to what I got to say. And then it would become this whole, you know, they would they would rebel and and go and meet up with their girlfriends after school. <laughs> so then it was if, if you don't, you know, if you tell mom and dad, you know, Jason's going to come for you. So it was very oh. <laughs> extra. But I, too, got desensitized because I was like, okay, who are these people trying to fight me? I need to be prepared. (laughs) And why me? (laughs) (laughs) Right. What did I do? (laughs) It's funny you mentioned Chucky because he's also a Chicago native. (laughs) The Lakeshore Strangler. (laughs) (laughs) But that's wild. That's wild. And uh, I think it's dope because, like, you kind of can carve out a niche for yourself in a way because your experiences are unique your perspective is unique in all of the genres and you know one of the things that caught my eye when i was reading your your bio and just like following you over the last few years in the group um 
new adult fantasy. That was a new term mm-hmm. for me. For those mm-hmm. listening, can you inform them, give them a brief description of what new adult fantasy is? Yeah, so new adult is kind of that next phase after young adult. So you have, you know, middle grade, which is middle school. You have young adult, which is kind of what it sounds like, young adult. But you think they're generally in high school. But a lot of times you you have stories that are young adult and then they jump to adult. And a lot of these adult stories follow people who are married, they have careers, they're in relationships, they have kids. And there wasn't really a lot of fantasy or things for people in that age range. That's They're in college. They're maybe just out of college, but they're not quite established yet as full, full-grown adults, right? Maybe they're still living with their moms, even though, let's face it, with this pandemic, a lot of us probably still are. No hate, but, you know, just that age range between like 18 and I'll say 22, 23, where you are legally an adult, but you would not be considered an adult to somebody who's grown because you don't know, you don't know anything really. Like you're still figuring things out. You're figuring yourself out. Maybe mom and dad are still paying for you for certain things. And I think it mostly it's just you're in that transitional phase. And so I wanted to write fantasy for people in that phase because that's such a unique time in life when you when you kind of go into your 20s and you're thinking, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be an artist? Do I want to do what my parents want me to do? Or do I want to do what makes me happy? And coupling that with a fantastical element just felt like the right fit for me that's dope you know (laughs) i was introduced to fantasy in a film called the never ending story oh don't make me start singing the theme song never ending story come along but i don't want to get copyrighted (laughs) and be like you know they're like what what song what r&b song is that and I'm like, R&B? What are you talking Oh, you don't know about Falcor? Oh, no. You don't know about Trey, you bro? You got to get out of here. That was my introduction to fantasy, as well as the Page Master uh, with Macaulay Culkin. And, and uh, that was oh, my favorite animated film for a while as well. So, like, fantasy, you know, that's something that's been a part of my life for a long time as well. Um, if you want, what, mm-hmm. what introduced you to fantasy as far as film and TV? Um... So Page Master, I will have to agree because that was my that was my stuff back in the day. Um, I think it was also Dark Crystal was another one. Um, and then I think Lord of the Rings, I saw that pretty young, you know, uh, but I distinctly remember seeing it with my dad because he was obsessed when he was younger. But it's also honestly a lot of folklore and like oral stories from my parents my parents were huge on just making up bedtime stories my dad would especially just make something up randomly and it would he he would continue world building the world building okay he would have a girl who lives in the forest and could talk to animals and then there was a series there was a season finale and then we had season two (laughs) (laughs) and so I think I learned from all of these different things, plus that that style, because, you know, you have mil- uh, movie, film, TV, but then there's such a special style of 
being told a story by somebody that is just so unique. And so I think I, I took that with me in and through my writing. Cause I, I like to think my writing is a little more conversational than a lot of other people who have this very like poetic and flowery kind of prose. And I like both, but for me, I, it just is a better fit to just have that more kind of conversational tone. And I think maybe that's where I got it from. That's dope. And, and I love to hear that because oral storytelling, it, it basically translates in the podcast. Like it's so, mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is, um, oh my God, now I'm drawing a blank. The No Sleep Podcast. I, I love, love the too. No Sleep yeah. Podcast. And it, it inspired me to create the story monster. And uh, oftentimes <laughs> people, you know, they'd be like, you're the story monster? And I'm like, no, I'm the cinematic witness. It's kind of like Galactus and Silver Surfer. Like, I am the herald. He right. speaks through me. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a glutton for stories. You know, like, feed me more. And so, like, that's why I love talking to creatives like yourself and other people who make comic books and just publish books and even other walks of life, anybody creative, I like to talk to and hear their story. Like, even if you're not creative, it's like, you're alive. <laughs> like, 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 tell me a right. little about yourself, you know what I mean? And I just want people to know that, you know, your stories are appreciated, no matter how big or small. And speaking of stories, I think this is the perfect segue to this scenario I'm about to put you in. I'm about to put you in a classic story, okay? okay? Um. If you were locked in a dungeon and your captors force you to write a book in a genre you dislike, what would it be? Um, probably um, historical fiction. <laughs> okay, you got to break that down. You got to break that one down. Why? <laughs> I mean, okay, so I love a good like historical fantasy fiction. We stand, you know, PGLA Clark. We stand you know, uh, Justina Ireland, but I just non-fantastical historical fiction where you're reimagining, you know, uh, the Romanovs not being killed or where you're reimagining, you know, uh, the writing of the great Gatsby, things like that. They just don't really interest me. Um, a lot of times there's a, a lot of liberties taken and a lot of, uh, Hmm, it's not written by black people. Amen to that shit. <laughs> a lot of like the super popular ones. So for me, it just is like not a genre I I particularly enjoy. I, I feel you on that. I, I hear you and I receive that. <laughs> um, one of the genres that I kind of dislike, and it's only because I grew up at a very young age watching things I was not supposed to watch, like Law and Order SVU, right? (laughs) Crime drama. I cannot read crime drama. I can watch it, but I kind of detest reading it because it's just like, this is dry. It has its moments, and I know there's special authors. I'm not trying to crap on anybody's work. It's just like me personally, if I had to choose... Something well, they gave me the choice, like you gotta write this or you're gonna write this, it would be, probably be like crime drama. Cause mm-hmm. it, like for me, it's just like, oh, it's too much like real life. I, I don't I'm trying to escape. Isn't that why we read these books? Like fantasy is to escape. Right. So, you know, like 
that would be my choice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we're going to, we're going to take, um, we're going to take another trip. You know, I guess you can call it method acting, <laughs> but um, for the sake of this exercise, we're going to call it research for your next book. Okay. I like it. All right. So let's say you're researching a book. Uh-huh. You get the chance to shadow someone from any profession. What would it be? Hmm. Shadowing somebody from any profession. Um, I would probably say that I would want to shadow like an activist. Uh, somebody who's actually out on the streets doing the work. Um, you know, my my series, starting with To A Stare With Love, has quite a bit. There's protests. There's a lot of a huge sort of social justice and activism in the book series. And so if I had the opportunity to really shadow somebody, I would, I would really love that to be able to, I guess, see the things I got right and know what to improve on. And I just think it would be fulfilling, like fulfilling for my spirit too, not just as an author, but as, as somebody who obviously like deeply believes in these things, it would be very fulfilling. I like the sound of that. Um, That's intense also. So if you do decide to do this in real life, I need you to have a suit of armor on, maybe oh, a stormtrooper right. armor or something, because we know how really get out here in these streets. Right. And, um, I think I would go with oceanographer. Oh, I love um, that. As a Pisces, you know, it's just kind of my element. Um, I've always found it fascinating, the things that are under the sea in the ocean. And I just... You know, even in adulthood, you know, I just I went to the aquarium a few months ago and I was just like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> like, it was just so many different species and creatures <laughs> that I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. And some of them are quite beautiful, you know, from someone who loves, you know, creatures and monsters and stuff like that. I was just like, it has a certain elegance about it, even though it could probably kill me in three seconds. But, you know, it's just like, like a like a femme fatale, like it's it's beautiful, but it's also deadly. And um, <laughs> I would shadow an oceanographer just just to to you know get the idea what it's like to be in a foreign, literally a foreign foreign land territory where you could possibly get God at any moment. Like that sense of urgency and um, just being desolate and, and far away from something you're familiar with. I would love to like shadow an oceanographer. I also can't swim. So there'll be a real yeah. sense of fear. Right. That's a lot of well. commitment. But do you, so do you have a specific uh, animal, creature, whatever we're calling them, <laughs> that you are interested in that, that fascinates you the most? Because, you know, for me, I, I feel that for me, I'm a, obsessed with whales I've always loved them Mm. when I need to relax I listen to whale sounds it's just it's beautiful and haunting and uh honestly like when no for like when I'm meditating I listen to the whale sounds and I think about what it would be like if I was just submerged in the ocean just but floating underneath the water as whales are going around I don't know it's just like a weird thing never would happen I also can't swim I'm also afraid of like jaws and stuff, but is there a particular creature that you would really want to study? Yes. And that creature is, I know it sounds cliche, 
but I I find them quite fascinating. Jellyfish. Hmm. Okay. Jellyfish are fascinating creatures. Not only are they beautiful, you know, I'm not shallow, okay? I, I know I like pretty things. I have a track record so far on this podcast of saying, it's pretty, it's beautiful. But it's, jellyfish are awesome. And not only that, they can regenerate. They're basically immortal. So imagine like having all your memories. You know, scientists are even studying jellyfish to try to figure out a cure for uh, Alzheimer's. And I just think the jellyfish, like even the giant ones even, are even more interesting. Mm -hmm. Like how do you survive to get to that size in an ecosystem that's all about, you know, getting got, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So it's just like, I find jellyfish fascinating. So I would like to study them. And, for you know, just imagine that superpower, just like regeneration, not just physically, but just your brain and just having all like you're like an immortal. Basically, it's like, oh, I have muscle dystrophy. Let me regenerate that. Boom. You know what I'm saying? So jellyfish are fascinating. They're, They're beautiful. They're they're menacing. And they're also they're like eldritch terrors in a way. Like old ancient gods Ooh, of the ocean. That's a good way of describing them for sure. Eldridge terrors. <laughs> so that's how I feel about that. Um, but speaking of, you know, shadowing people, you've worked with a number of authors and continue to do so with the anthology Kindred Kingdoms. Before we talk mm-hmm. about Kindred Kingdoms, what was it like working on an anthology for the first time? Did you find it difficult? Were you nervous? Or were you just like, I'm about to boss this whole operation? So I wasn't nervous because I have known the gals who put this together for, you know, quite a while. We we had done the the group for probably about six months or so before we started the anthology, but we had known each other before we started the anthology for quite a while. Um, before we even started the group. So it was kind of basically like working with friends. Um, I think the biggest thing was, and we were all on the same page, is making sure that we were all organized. We're all in different time zones. We all have different, very busy lives. So, you know, the the thing is just continuing, continuously making sure that we're organized, we're all on the same page, and that the communication is there. Um Obviously, it's worked out because we've done two anthologies and, you know, probably end up doing another one here next year. I This this is just me, just me commenting, you know, this is not right. an official statement, but we might end up doing, you know, more in the future. Um, Exclusive <laughs> on the Story Monster podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I, it was it was a great experience. Very busy, very demanding, but uh, really great. I, I've heard about horror stories of like bad experiences and it's good to balance that out with a positive one or positive ones, plural, because you, you've done this, what, two times, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we all bring something different to the table. And I I think that that's a big part of it, too, is that, you know, I have experience in marketing and project management in my my day life, if you will. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
sports to be reckoned with <laughs> outside the pages as well. Right. And so I try to bring that into doing these anthologies just to make sure that there's we're thinking about all of the different things that we're going to need that were organized and that we do set deadlines and have enough time. Because like I said, we're we're not just, you know, authors on this anthology. We each have our own books. We each have our own lives. Uh, you know, Keisha is now a mom. Lala's a mom. Um, you know, so we have a lot going on and we need to make sure that we're leveraging our best uh, abilities. And now a word from our overlord and sponsor, Anchor.fm. Do you like what you're hearing? Consider making a contribution with listener support by clicking the link in the description. A dollar can go a long way, but a like and share can go even further. Thanks for listening. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. I remember seeing y'all in, in a group chat room. I remember I was high. At, I had an edible. You popped in. I remember. And I was just like, I was so lost, but I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that like that was my first impression. So I was so embarrassed when I reached out to them individually. And they're like, you look familiar. And I'm like, no, I do not think we have met before. And they like, no, we have met. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. So it's funny you mentioned that. Um, that is hilarious. I just wanted to let that be known that I am the stranger. Um, <laughs> another moniker added to the list. Right. Um, so for those who don't know, what is Kindred Kingdoms about? So Kindred Kingdoms is an epic fantasy anthology. It is young adult, so YA, and it is centering stories about kinship. And it's very, I guess, the simplest way to explain it. And kinship in various forms. When we think of kinship, we think about the bonds between friends, but there's also the kinship that you have with siblings, with parents, with romantic partners. Um, and so we really wanted to explore the different types of kinship good and the bad and I think we did that in this anthology and it's also one that the majority of authors are either uh, black indigenous people of color or they are lgbtq plus or they are disabled like there's a lot of diversity in this book not just from the authors but also the characters as well that's dope because oftentimes you know we we have our archetypes, you know, in, in the stories. And it's just like, ah, oh, why does every hero look like Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. from Conan the Barbarian? Right. Like, that's unrealistic body standards to save the world. <laughs> like, especially if I'm the only one left. It's just like, y'all expect me to look like Jason Momoa. Y'all got something else coming. But that's body goals, right? So I'm glad to hear you say that because just reading the stories, it, it's... One thing I admire about the um, the content and, and, the, and the style and the rhythm of the stories is that they're not forced. It's very subtle. It doesn't feel mm -hmm. like you're being preachy at all. And that's something people are often accused of these days in media and their storytelling. So it's nice to see it be organic. It's very, it, it's very welcoming, you know what I mean? To, to read something and be like, I never thought about it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. or, or what what must this person go through on the day to day that I don't have to worry about? And, and I think it challenges 
or I should say it invokes thought and and how we perceive not just regular sci-fi fantasy or any other genre, but just life in general. You know what I'm saying? Like we often take certain things for granted and, you know, like reading the story like Kindred Kingdoms, it made me do a little thinking like, what am I complaining about? Right. At least I'm not going through what she's going through, right? <laughs> and it, it's serious. And it's just like, well, also it inspires. If she can overcome this, if he can overcome that, I, I can overcome my situation. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I think that's awesome. And that leads me to your story and Kendrick Kingdoms. Heads will roll. Yes. That title is so violent. <laughs> Caught me off guard. I was like, okay, I, I, let me read this one first. And then we'll <laughs> circle back around to the other ones. It was a pleasant surprise. Thank I'm you. not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But can you put me in your headspace of when you wrote that story? Oh, um, okay. So I knew I wanted to do uh, a kind of a retelling of some kind of, you know, fantastical story that we are all familiar with. Um, I think that I too had had uh, an edible and was watching Alice in Wonderland. And I think that um, I just thought, okay, this would be, this would, this is kind of where I, where I want to be. How can I play kind of with this story? Um, I wanted to to play on some kind of sibling rivalry, some kind of, you know, make the central relationship sisters instead of friends or anything like that. Um, and then I also was listening to that Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song, Heads Will Roll, which is, you know, a really good song to like, if you need to get pumped up or get gassed up and thought, okay, well, okay, boom, like, here we go. This is what's, this is the combination. And then it just, um, it just all kind of flowed out. I wrote it in, I'd say about two days, put it away for a day or two, had some beta readers take a look at it, made edits and then sent it in. But um, once the idea was there, it was pretty easy to get on the page. Do you mind giving people a brief synopsis of the story? Sure. So Heads Will Roll follows two sisters, Roizen and Alice, and they are the princesses of the country of Vermilion. And basically in this kingdom, there's not any kind of, the succession rules aren't that you have to be a boy. It's not whoever is the oldest. It's whoever is the most deserving of the crown. Sometimes that is the oldest. Sometimes it's not. But because these two sisters have um, abilities that kind of complement each other, I guess, in a, in a yang and yang kind of way. The their father basically says, "You have to go through these different trials to prove to me and to the kingdom who is the rightful person to be the next queen." Both sisters have their their uh, jealousies towards the other, so the story takes a look at what happens when you have two jealous sisters who are frenemies. Uh, and they're forced to have to to do these different trials and kind of a dog and pony show to be able to prove their eligibility for the crown. I, I didn't expect any of that going in. I had the reference of Alice in Wonderland in my head, and I was just like, oh, I know exactly where this is going. No, you didn't, boy. <laughs> I was reading this. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. 
this is hitting a little too close to home with the sibling rivalry. It is is really human. It's really human. Minus the fantastical elements. I was just like, this is a human story. I understand exactly what she's going through. Like Royston has been dealt a bad hand, sort of. And I also can understand where Alice was coming from as well. And I was just like, I hope that this author doesn't make me choose a side. Mm-hmm. And even if you did, I could not because I felt both both perspectives. I'm like, oh man, these trials and the relationship. I dig it. I dig it. And Thank you. How it came about, like how the story unwinds, if you will. I was just like, oh no, I I, I need at least four five more pages, like. I need to milk this. Like you left me in such suspense, and I I had to read it twice. I was just like, well, maybe if I maybe some words will appear. <laughs> well, I guess this is this is an exclusive. Is that I do plan on expanding it in the future, so it will be full length, because you know I do want to explore more of what the sisters have to go through. What it, you know what happens after after their final kind of confrontation, if you will. So yes, fear not, you will get it in the future. Don't, don't do the, don't give me hope, Amanda. (laughs) Oh man, I'm looking forward to that. I I love the way you concluded the story. And I I think you all should go pick up a copy of Kindred Kingdoms available on Amazon. Um, Where else can people buy Kindred Kingdoms? Besides Amazon. Um, they could probably get it through Bookshop. Um, I think those are kind of the primary places at the moment. I think we are all kind of individually just trying to see where else we can we can put the book and maybe get it into some indie bookstores or or sell it through our own individual websites. So stay tuned for that. At the moment, I would say Amazon or Bookshop if you don't want to support Amazon. Awesome. And I'll have a link to the book in the description of this podcast mm-hmm. so people can check out the story I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'd be like, yo, yeah, he was right. That that was dope. You know what I'm saying? And I feel a lot of people be able to relate to it as well. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. And I'm glad you related to it. Uh I think as I mentioned, I'm the youngest of, of six. And I think when you have siblings. I don't think you know any other love-hate relationship that's deeper than I think the one you have with your siblings. And people want to say it's with your parents, and I get that. But I think because you you expect your siblings to be on your same team, you expect your parents to be like, oh, those are, they're here on page two and I'm on page, you know, six. You expect that. But with your siblings, you expect there to be unity, very us versus them. And so when you're not, uh, you you tend to to feel away. And I think it's very easy to get jealous of them and the things they have going on, whether there's an age difference or not, um, and love and hate them at the same time. I think that's a great summation of that story. I think that the first sentence was just chef's kiss. It's beautiful. I was... I was like, yo, I'm in. I'm hooked. <laughs> Thank you. She is my dealer now. I'm in this story. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So I, I think that's dope. 
And, you know, when you create stories like this, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, there's a there's um inspiration from, from Alice in Wonderland to some degree. I'll, I'll let you guys read it and see how it wanders off the beaten path. Um, what type of movies and TV shows do you, do you currently watch or that you gain inspiration from? Well, that's a good question. So I, I gain inspiration from all over. I think probably some of my favorite TV shows lately have been Evil. It's been P-Valley is a huge inspiration. P-Valley is a huge inspiration for my upcoming book in the House of Transcendence. So, um, I mean, I I was watching the first season as I was drafting the, you know, and anticipating the second season as I was drafting that book. Um, Oh, wow. Lord of the Rings is always a constant, but I'm also looking for a lot more from my fantasy. So I really enjoyed also horror so his house um i've enjoyed um gosh now i feel stumped but charmed i for lack of a better representation i'll say charmed you know the og charmed i i will say both they have their merits okay. we could have a whole cover listen we could have a whole conversation about the new and the oh, old uh, listen you could come back and we could talk about the the reboot and we could talk about the original as well I would love that because I need people to talk to it about like nobody else wants to. They're just like, girl, get over it. But I'm like, no, it's important (laughs) to talk about it. It is a part of the cultural zeitgeist that we call America. Yes, (laughs) right. That part. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, supernatural to a certain extent, all of those like Buffy, the vampire slayer, all of those kind of, all right, urban fantasy, if you will, that that deals with, you know, supernatural creatures while you're driving to Starbucks to get your coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a story in itself. Right. <laughs> right. To quote the great Robert Meyer Burnett, we park our shuttles in the same shuttle bay. Mm-hmm. I watched all those shows, you know what I'm saying? I grew up on those and I love them all. And since we're on the topic of film, you know, let's talk about those books of yours, mm-hmm. right? If you had to choose a studio to do a live action adaptation of your book, whichever one you choose, what studio would you choose to adapt your book? It could be a movie. It could be a series. These are your options. There are only four. Netflix, Disney, HBO, or Prime Video. And tell me why. Okay, so I I will choose to adapt in the House of Transcendence um, because, and I'm going to choose HBO. So the reason is because in the House of Transcendence is a very Black and very queer show, and I love that. And I don't want to have to water the sexy elements of it down. Um, <clears throat> I also want a show that is not having to be for the white gaze because I did not write in the house of transcendence for the white gaze G-A-Z-E. Let me just make that clear. Everybody. (laughs) You're canceled on the story monster (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Um, I wanted, I wanted it to be written for the culture. I wanted it to be written for black queer people primarily. And I think that HBO would probably do a better justice than the other studios. Um, but yo, I, I think about this, like when I have downtime, when I'm doing whatever, like I think about daydream manifest, if you will, 
um, who I would want to direct, who I'd want to star in all of that. Cause I definitely could see these on the, on the screen. Well, go ahead and drop that dream out. Put it out there. Manifest it. Who, who are these people? Who are these women? Who I do mean, you mean, okay. So if I had to choose who would like show run it and direct it, if it was a movie or, t- you know, TV show. So who would be involved? I would say Katori Hall. Um, gonna throw out, um, Nia DaCosta, uh, you know, maybe a little production from maybe Miss Ava, Auntie Ava, throwing her in there. Oh, not Ava. They ain't ready for Ava now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I would say in terms of in terms of stars, um, yeah, I see I see quite a bit of people in this. I see like Logan Browning is one of the characters. I see. My main character being like Zanae J. She, I can't remember what show she was in, but um, she's pretty like lesser known actress. There's also, there's a girl who's in uh, one of the most recent American Horror Stories episodes. I'm not sure if you saw. I know who you're talking about. I think if I'm not mistaken, was she in Beast of the Southern Wild? As a child actress? So the one I'm thinking of, she was in the episode of the Bloody Mary episode, and she was the supporting character who was the cheerleader. Convenzani Wallace? Convenzani, yeah, yeah. I definitely could see her in there as well. And I think, you know, music by her. Music by, you know, Flo Millie. Music by... I don't know, with music from Rihanna and Beyonce, right? But also like- You dropping a hot fire on this <laughs> on this production, yo. <laughs> right. I mean, I just, I could, I could definitely see it. I think we need those kind of fantasies that are in escape that allow us to just exist and not have to show how we exist in the world navigating around, you know, racism and homophobia. We can just exist. Absolutely. And the Story Monster supports this project and your efforts. Where can people go to follow you online and stay up to date on all upcoming projects from the amazing Amanda Ross? Well, thank you. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok, Amanda the Author, at Amanda the Author with two E's, and on Twitter at Amanda the Author with one E. I post a lot about In the House of Transcendence, my upcoming book, but I also post about things that matter, things I I care about, right? Like representation in fantasy, talking about anxiety, talking about how anxiety and mental health play when you are trying to be an author and the struggles of author life. And um, I don't know, I think I'm funny, so follow me. (laughs) Also, Amanda, the author with two E's on YouTube. I will be making my triumphant return to these YouTube streets very soon. <laughs> and the story monster will be policing those streets. Thank you again, Amanda, <laughs> for joining me on this podcast episode. Until next time, there are tales to be told and I will bear witness. Follow the story monster on facebook.com slash the cinematic witness and on Instagram at instagram.com slash the underscore story monster and on twitter.com slash the story monster. Once a year for three days, creators and diehard fans gather for an epic adventure in September. 
the founder of Freestyle Comics, that's comics with a K, presents FSCon 2022. Gather for panel discussions, costume contests, and discover a new world of superhuman characters. Visit facebook.com slash freestylecomics99, freestyle comics with a K, for more information on FSCon 2022.